This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to this week's uh, podcast from Church Society. I'm Tony Cannon. I'm a part-time Church Society Regional Director for East Anglia and the South East. Um, and I recently retired after just over 20 years of Church of England Parish Ministry. My guest today has possibly the loveliest voice yet on a podcast. You're going to love the voice of the Reverend George Rogers, who was trained and ordained in the Anglican Church of Canada. He also, coincidentally, recently retired after about 20 years of church of 43 England. years yeah but only 21 in the church of England. yeah george. yeah but welcome and thanks for giving us your time this morning george it's a delight to have you um, i'm you, just gonna uh, read a verse that came up in my daily reading from the explore bible notes this morning because i think it's quite apt it's deuteronomy 13 verse 4 which says this it is the lord your god you must follow and him you must revere Keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. And uh, our theme is going to be very much looking at the issue of false teachers and division within the Anglican Church. So let me just pray for us, uh, George, as uh, we begin this conversation. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you're a God of truth and love and mercy. For your grace is uh, wonderful for us. And your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we long to be faithful to you. We long for the gospel to go out across our land, indeed across the world, and for many to come to a saving knowledge and love for of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, as we uh, do this podcast now, I pray that it would be a real encouragement and a help to all of us. And we ask this for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. George, so we can get used to your fabulous accent, we'd love you to tell us just a little bit about where you were born and grew up, your family and how you became a Christian. Great, um, Tony, thank you. Um, I grew up in, in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Uh, my father was uh, uh, born and brought up in Belfast, Ireland. Um, I came along late in his life. He was 57 when I was born. My mother was 45, so I arrived rather late in their lives. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm a cradle Anglican, so I was baptized before I knew I was baptized, you know. I was taken along to church and all of those things, to Sunday school, um, became an acolyte in the church and all of those sorts of things. Um, but because my dad was older, um, he died when he was 74 and I was 16. And uh, that brought some real questions into my mind about faith and uh, really wrestling with um, who this God is and why he would take my father away from me and all of those sorts of things. There was a Christian layman, as well as um, the assistant curate in my home parish, who took me under their wing. And um, the uh, Christian layman uh, would take me down to... Um, Billy Graham type crusades in Leamington, which is about 50 miles away from Windsor. He'd have me drive his very special um, 
Thunderbird car and, and all of that, Ooh. sort of like the Billy Graham story, you know, how he drove the truck to the place uh, and then got converted himself. Well, anyhow, uh, through all of that, this, uh, this chap jostled me along and challenged me. Eventually, I went away to a, a, a Youth for Christ uh, conference, mm -hmm. Bible conference, and um, was asked to sing in the choir. And I sang in the choir, and they were singing a song. Uh, one of the lines in it was, my, I have Christ in my heart. And uh, that broke me because I knew it wasn't true. Uh, so that night by my bedside with one of the counselors of the place, I committed my life to Jesus. Um, it was sort of the next day, I guess, or um, whatever, that one of the, um, one of the chaps from the, uh, the leadership from Holness, uh, Youth for Christ in Windsor come up to me and said, uh, you've now got to go to a church that teaches the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I very foolishly turned to him and said, no, I'm going back to my Anglican church uh, because I think it needs to be saved. It needs to be turned around. It needs to be straightened out. And uh, I went back and a Christian layman that um, had been cajoling me and encouraging me and all the rest, um, uh, he took me under his wing again and we started a Bible study group that grew and grew and grew and uh, people were coming to faith. He used to do crazy things like um, have a dinner party for the young people of the parish. Mm -hmm. We'd all turn up at his place and he'd have a city bus come in and park behind us all in his driveway so we couldn't get our cars out. <laughs> and he'd load us all onto the bus and take us out to Youth for Christ rally in the city. We'd hear the evangelist, we'd hear the challenge, and we'd go back to his house and the bus driver would come in and listen to the conversation and the the interaction amongst the young people there. And uh, interestingly enough, um, some year or so later, the bus driver himself, Mr. Clem, gave his life to the Lord in the midst oh, of one of these brilliant. events as well, hearing the gospel preached and explained. Anyhow, um, I, I think it was at that conference time that I had a sense of, uh, if God wants me, he's got me. And he's got all of me. Yeah. So I think it was at that point that I made the decision to go on uh, to study theology, to be ordained, etc. Um, I went then to my uh, assistant curate friend, Archie Pell, in, uh, uh, in Windsor. And uh, he said to me, well, if you're, going to, um, if you're going to be ordained, you better go and get a degree in social work first. So you know how to relate to people. Because oh. theological college won't teach you that. Mm -hmm. interesting perspective anyhow yeah. uh, i then uh, applied for and and uh, and uh, got a position in the school of social work at university of windsor for four years mm -hmm. and then at the end of that time i um i graduated and i went to work at the roman catholic children's aid society where i met my wife uh, who was working on the switchboard at the um, at the agency um, she said to her girlfriend uh, at break on the first day that I went to work there that uh, she would be dating me by the end of the time that I was there. Interesting sort of <laughs> Several years later and we got married and believe it or not, Tony, uh, her birthday and my birthday 
both appear on her birth certificate. So her birth was registered on my birthday. She's no. some 13 or 14 days older than I am. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's a bit freaky in some ways, but... Um, uh, but what's this extraordinary woman's name, George? Me? What's her name? Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie Rogers. Yeah. Bonnie, we love you already. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, long distance romance as I went off to theological college and uh, we, we, uh, we, we came to the point of my graduating from theological college. Um, I was ordained deacon on May the 4th. Uh, Ascension Day, May the 4th. That was before Star Wars came in. Yes. May the 4th be with you. Yes. Very good. And, um, and then I was ordained priest. I got married on the 17th of June that year, 1978. And then I was ordained priest on the 18th of October on St. Luke's Day. The vicar of the parish that I went to said to the bishop, he's no good to me as a deacon. Get him ordained quick. He needs to be able to go and do the communions in the nursing homes. So there you go. Brilliant. Um, a very short um, uh, diaconate life for me. Of course, we continue to be deacons, don't we? Yeah. Um, so that was me becoming a Christian and then uh, going through um, uh, to ordination and, and then posted. I, I went to Wycliffe College in, in Canada. Um, it, it's interesting. It's, it, it's what I would consider the foremost evangelical college in Canada. And um, it, uh, it was the one college that demanded you learn Greek. Ooh. And I had a, a, a horrible time learning Greek. I, I finally passed baby Greek in my third and final year at college. And that was by the skin of my teeth, I think. Brilliant. But anyhow, um, I've probably lost most of that now, but I've, I've dabbled with it a bit more since then. Um, yeah. Um, your first post, George? What was your first My first post, post was uh, at a parish called St. Matthias in Victoria, British Columbia. That's on Vancouver Island. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there for three and a half years as, as assistant curate. I then went up island to a two-point charge. Um, Sorry, what's Cowichan a two-point Station, George? Cobble Hill. Pardon me? What's a two-point charge? Well, it, two churches ah. in one parish. Got it that eventually grew to three churches in that one parish. Um, and we were seeing some growth there, some, some good things, positive things were happening there with younger folk. Uh, there were all the tensions and that sort of thing though, of course, of having three different places. Mm -hmm. uh, I can remember the day that it finally hit me. I came out of St. John's church after the eight o'clock service and thought, am I supposed to be in Shawnigan Lake or am I supposed to be in St. Andrews? Right. And it was after that that I applied for a single parish post in Vancouver, uh, St. Matthias in Vancouver. Um, so that, yep. Oh, uh, George, let me just pause you there for a minute. Uh, because yep. people may be thinking, I'm loving the voice, I'm loving the story, I'd love to meet Bonnie. But they may be thinking, well, what's the purpose? Why have they invited George along this time? And just to fill in the background very slightly for you listeners... Um, our context here in the UK is that uh, the Anglican Church in Scotland and very recently, only this September, the Anglican Church in Wales have moved to change their teaching or their liturgy, whether it's experimental or fixed, um, to allow either the blessing of same-sex marriages in their churches or indeed moving towards um, same-sex marriage. Um, now, in the Church of Wales, some evangelicals have 
uh, asked for an evangelical bishop to pastor those who hold to the traditional and biblical understanding of marriage. There's also, for example, one guy, the Reverend Josh Maynard, who told his archdeacon before the vote that if it went through, he would have to resign in all conscience from the Church of Wales. And he has just done that. And he, his wife and his three young daughters um, now have to leave their vicarage as well as their post and income uh, in January of 2022. Uh, they currently have nowhere to live uh, or to move to, but they're so convinced that they can't leave the sheep in their parish without a shepherd that they're planting a new Anglican church where they are under the auspices of GAFCON, which is the Orthodox Anglican umbrella organization that covers the vast majority of the world's Anglicans. Um, I mention that because the Church of England is uh, perhaps a step or two behind that, but it's once again going through a discussion and what they call a discernment process to see what the Lord thinks about issues of gender and sexuality. And many people in the Church of England and outside it expect it also to change its teaching and its liturgy, its services. Um, but of course, the UK isn't the first part of the Anglican Church to move away from the Bible's teaching on this and many other important areas. So, George, can you pick us up now and talk to us about what happened back in the 90s in the Anglican Church of Canada and how it impacted on you and Bonnie and the children and so on? Um, give us a real feel for what happened, would you? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tony. Uh, yes, well, with the election of a bishop by the name of Michael Ingham uh, to the post of Bishop of New Westminster, um, Michael Ingham was a, a, a priest who had written a book called Mansions of the Spirit, uh, which basically set out the pluralist approach, i.e. pluralist meaning um, all roads lead to God. And uh, he wrote that book very passionately, published it. Um, uh, I was involved with uh, J.I. Packer, Dr. J.I. Packer and others from Region College. Uh, as we tried to put a response to that mm -hmm. in the sense of explaining the problems of pluralism. Um, alongside of all of that was this issue of homosexuality. There's a big homosexual community in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, Michael, Michael uh, Ingham was the dean of the cathedral there for a while, and it was a hub for uh, gay involvement. Um, he um, became the bishop, and then at the first synod that he led, uh, I was present at it. And before we even worshiped God, before we even um, prayed the Lord's Prayer, the bishop had a North American shaman, Indian fellow, come in uh, to get us all up on our feet to do some dance of the deer, which was some worship thing. Um, I, I, I stood still and couldn't engage in that, didn't want to engage in it, and actually became physically ill. I had to leave the synod meeting, uh, and, and I, I felt like I was always going to be sick to my stomach. Um, that was sort of the, the beginning, I guess, and, and my stance against the bishop and his position, he said in his consecration, he would work with anyone who would work with him. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a very telling sort of a thing. Um, the church that I was at was a, a, a Caucasian church in the middle of 
um, part of Vancouver where the Chinese community were moving in rapidly. And um, eventually it got to the point where it was no longer sustainable. Uh, so the diocese decided to adjoin it to St. Luke's Church, which was another church in the area, but primarily a Chinese church. Mm -hmm. And um, that made me redundant. So I was one of the early ones that was picked off in the midst of that. Um, it, it didn't go to a court case or anything like this where we were trying to hold on to the building uh, like St. John Shaughnessy did, um, but I was simply let go. I was paid off, and at 46 years old, I was out of parish ministry. We had to move out of the, um, the, 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 the rectory that we were in. Uh, we had to... to um, find uh, income. My wife was working as a secretary to church, so that sustained us in some ways. And we were living off of the, um, uh, the, the, the payment that was made to me because I'd been in that parish for 11 and a half years, faithfully mm -hmm. teaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, that was very lonely time, in a sense. I was then out of parish ministry for 18 months. Uh, one brother clergyman in the diocese, an evangelical, took me under his wing and had me licensed as an honorary associate in his parish mm -hmm. uh, so I could preach and celebrate. Um, and I was doing uh, some other work in a ministry called Wholeness Through Christ. I was leading that ministry in Canada. Uh, it was out of that that um, I eventually uh, applied for and was invited to come and become the associate vicar uh, of uh, St. Peter and St. Paul Tunbridge, uh, where I moved across the Atlantic at that point in 1998, the end of 1998, the 31st day of 1998, December, my daughter and I arrived in Tunbridge, Kent, and my wife and son were still in Canada because he needed to finish the last six months of his education there. So that was a bit of a stress for us in a sense too. Tell us a bit more about what was happening as you moved across here to, to the UK, what yep. had been happening in the Church of Canada? How had it been progressing, if that's the right word? Well, it was, it, it was becoming more and more liberal. It was becoming very much more and more um, uh, open to gay marriage and all that. Uh, I, I sadly, sadly in some ways, and yet in some ways very, very powerfully, remember a, a, a native Inuit priest <laughs> from the Arctic, standing up at General Synod, Bible in hand, and saying, the Bible says this is wrong. Mm. Why are we debating it? It's nearly a year since the Church of England launched their Living in Love and Faith resources and asked churches and uh, individuals to engage with them and send in their responses. Those responses will begin to be assessed from the beginning of November and we would love to encourage you uh, to send in as many responses as you can. People can uh, fill out the survey, uh, they don't have to have taken the whole course, they may have watch some of the videos, they may have read some of the content on the webpage, uh, but also we'd love you to be sending in creative responses. And to help with that, we have a number of resources at churchsociety.org, 
In particular, I want to draw your attention to two colouring pages that you can download. These are suitable uh, even for young children to use, but certainly for teenagers and adults. You might want to encourage your whole youth group or your whole Sunday school to colour them in and submit photos of their work. Perhaps encourage some of the older ones to talk about their own response to living in love and faith and what the Bible teaches about sex and sexuality. The posters use the phrase, true love loves truth, which is a thing that even the youngest children can understand, uh, that it's not loving when you lie to somebody, and that God, who loves us above all things, does not lie to us, that we find the truth that he teaches us in his word, and that's how we know he loves us. So please do go and have a look at all the Living in Love and Faith resources on the Church Society website. There are videos introducing the process, there are courses helping to teach your congregation about some of these issues, and there are various suggestions for how you might respond. The Bible says this is wrong. Mm. Why are we debating it? But the debate went on, obviously, um, and the church made its decision uh, to allow dioceses to perform same-sex marriages. Uh, that began happening in New Westminster Diocese. Um, the church that I had been at um, eventually walked out of their building and down the road and started worshiping in another, in another building under the auspices of the Anglican Network in Canada. What is the Anglican Network in Canada, George? Anglican Network in Canada is some, um, well, it's a group of the Evangelicals, Charismatics, Anglo-Catholics who are Orthodox. Mm -hmm. David Short is part of that. David Short is the vicar of, um, of St. John Shaughnessy. Jim Packer was part of that. Mm -hmm. When they were defrocked, in other words, when their, their ordination was dis allowed or whatever it was by Michael Ingham and their licenses were lifted by him. Greg Venables, who was the Archbishop of the Southern Cone of America, took them under his wing. Mm -hmm. And until they could finally get themselves established in Canada as the Anglican Network in Canada and then part of the Anglican Church in North America under Foley Beach, um, they uh, served in that capacity. Just remind the people who, who weren't around at the time or realized, uh, for many of us, uh, Dr. Jim Packer is one of the great godly biblical theologians of the last hundred years. Yep. One of the great men of the Protestant church, of the evangelical church, of the Church of England, of the Anglican church worldwide. One of the greats. How did you, how did you process that this bishop had defrocked him had nullified his ministry what did you make of that well it didn't surprise me tony right knowing where michael was coming from it didn't surprise me at all um michael was well you you, you begin to wonder sometimes whether he's really christian you know does he mm -hmm. believe the gospel Mm -hmm. Does he believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father? Obviously, he doesn't because of his book, Mansions yeah. of the Spirit. Um, so, yeah, he he was heading up um, a religion, but not Christian, I don't right. think. I, I, I wouldn't call him Christian, but 
you know, God is the one that has to judge him on that one. Um, but it didn't surprise me at all that that he he defrocked them. And how did you and Bonnie react emotionally? I mean, obviously you lost your job and your your home, and of course this is uncertain for the children. But how did you two react emotionally to what was happening to the denomination, the church that you've known all your life? Yep. Um, uh, it, it was it was tough times, really. Um, but I think the thing that held me together in the midst of it, Tony, was that for 18 months, I was involved in Wholeness Through Christ ministry, which is a prayer counseling sort of ministry. But the mm. other thing that 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 was very central in the midst of it all um, for me was the Lord took me day after day after day to a passage in Philippians. Uh, and it's that place where Paul says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, somehow to attain to the uh, resurrection to eternal life. Fabulous. Not that I've already obtained all of these things, but I do one thing. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And that centered me for mm -hmm. 18 months through, through all the reject letters, because I found out when I got to this country that Michael Ingham had been writing what in some terminology is blackballing letters. In other words, he's writing letters that, that discredited me uh, and said I shouldn't be allowed in parish ministry again. Um, I didn't find that out until the vicar I was coming to work with in, in Tunbridge told me that that was part of the letter that was sent over to him. Mm. Thankfully, Michael uh, Nazar Ali uh, was very willing to receive me into the diocese there. And, was he the and bishop then? He was the bishop of Rochester at the time. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was tough times, uh, tough times for my children because they had to leave the schools they were in. Uh, except my son didn't. I think he was able to stay on it at, at, the, at the school he was in. But my daughter had to move to a school in, in Richmond and then eventually moved to a school over here in, in, uh, in Kent. Uh, she's done very well. She's gone on and become a, a secondary school teacher. Um, my son is working in IT work. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had much communication with him over the last little while. Um, and I found out since that that he, he had a real issue of anger towards the church. I think mm. I think I, I had to come to a point of forgiving and cutting myself free and releasing myself. Otherwise, it would eat me up. Yeah. I'm thankful now for those 18 months, because if I'd gone right back into parish ministry, uh, I would have been a mess and I would have caused a mess. But because I was out of parish ministry for 18 months, uh, it meant that the Lord was holding me and just teaching me and uh, helping me to get to a new place with him. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess fundamentally in the midst of all of this, the need to, that we need to be thinking about is um, what's important to us. Are we going to be obedient to the hierarchy of the church? Mm if they're going in the wrong way and they're going away from the Bible, or are we going to be obedient to Christ and mm. focus and center our lives on him and um, be those people that, that look to him, you know, that place of, 
one thing I do, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Mm-hmm. And I believe he took hold of me to be a minister, to be mm-hmm. a, a pastor, churches, to lead people to faith. Um, and yeah, it, it's um, it, it's been a rough ride sometimes. Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, in my life in the parish here in, 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 in Warrington, where I was the vicar for 17 and a half years, there was uh, great joy at times. There were difficulties as well, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, it's it's it, it's somehow that determination, isn't it? I, I mean, I think I, I'm I'm going to be preaching this coming Sunday on Colossians three one to eleven, mm-hmm. and it's a place where uh, Paul is saying, you know, since these things have happened to you, since you've come to this place of knowing that it's Christ plus nothing means everything. Mm-hmm. Um, then where is that place um, for us? And he says, since, since this is true, live your life in a different way. Live your life as a disciple of Christ. Live your life in such a way that it will honor Jesus. Live your life mm-hmm. in such a way that your heart is there with him. I, I, I remember reading uh, when I was doing a course at Regent College one time, uh, Richard Baxter's Saints Everlasting Rest, a huge tome. but in essence, what it's talking about is so meditate upon heaven that your heart wants to be there. Mm. And, um, and therefore, you can become of ultimate earthly use. Many people will say to Christians, you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly use. Yeah, I, I want to counter that. Yeah. If we are so heavenly minded, then we're not really caring about ourselves, our bodies, our lives we can be in that martyrius, that martyr role, even though hopefully yeah. that doesn't come to us. Um, but in lesser extent, that is the case for, 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 for those of us in the Anglican church that feel we would have to leave if it moves mm. in that direction. Um, George, this is really helpful. I'm loving the way you're unpacking, not just what happened, but how the Lord was moving you on, maturing you and holding you, holding you fast as you, held fast to him. We, we, we've got to draw stumps very soon now, but I would just love for a couple of minutes at the end for you to say a few words to people um, who are perhaps in the Church of England, Church of Scotland, Church of Wales, um, who are facing a similar situation to what you faced in the 1990s, or might be. Now, we're very grateful to God at the minute that um, yeah. the number of church society members who've been appointed General Synod has basically doubled this time, um, and more than 10% of General Synod are church society members. Um, uh, that is a different scenario to what you happen to be part of in the 90s, I realise, but the pressure is so huge in a, this liberal revisionist direction. Yep. For people, I'm speaking to ministers all the time, who are wondering what will happen, wondering where the red line for them might be, wondering how they might make a decision to stay or leave and what that involves for them and their families. Could you just say for 60 seconds, talk to those people and tell them from your heart and your experience uh, how they can best face this unknown future? I guess the thing that I was hearing, Tony, back then was um, don't quit. Make them force you out. 
So it's the place of, of, of don't quit, Mm. but make them force you out. It's, um, uh, it, 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 it's it's um, a rather sad sort of a situation, but you know the the court cases in Canada with uh, St. John Shaughnessy and all the rest, um, uh, which were were really tough on David Short and other people from there, um, that basically the Anglican Church of Canada took their buildings away from them, even though they as a congregation had built the buildings and. Yeah. You know, those are the sorts of things that happened. But it was a place where uh, they were forced out, in mm-hmm. essence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they stayed faithful to proclaiming the gospel in the midst of those situations. Um, yeah, and, and, and I would say, rather than running away, engage. Yeah. I think the difficulty in Canada was that in 1959, there was a revision of the prayer book. And the... Anglo-Catholics and the Evangelicals worked very, very hard on that. And after that was finished, they seemed to give up on the central structures of the church. Right. Evangelicals are always in the place of saying, we want to get on with building our churches. Yeah. So we're going to focus there and we're not going to engage with the stuff of the diocese. Yeah. I need to say to people, um, as much as you can even though it's painful going to meeting after meeting after meeting, Mm. your presence there as gospel-believing Christians is needed Mm. um, to keep the church moving in the right direction. Uh, At least in this country still, I think through the appointment process, we get a fairly balanced number of bishops on either side of the liberal uh, conservative evangelical d- divide, um, but uh, it, it's still, if you happen to be in a diocese where it's a very liberal bishop, it's tough going. Yep. So, thank you, George, that's absolutely fantastic. Our time is up, but I'm just going to ask, would you kindly pray uh, for us, for every uh, Orthodox Christian, whether uh, a member of a church or a minister in some form, um, who are wanting to hold on. Let me just uh, read again that verse we started with from yep. Deuteronomy and then lead us in prayer, if you would. It is Thank the you. Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. George, please lead us in prayer. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, I ask particularly today for my brothers and sisters in the Uh, Church of England, the Church of Scotland, the Church of Wales, um, Lord, and and the church worldwide uh, who are struggling with these issues, who are struggling uh, under pluralism, who are struggling under liberal bishops who uh, seem to be trying to get rid of them uh, or, or whatever else. I pray, Father, that they might hear in that Deuteronomy passage today that call to be faithful to God. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we were all called to be faithful to Jesus and to God mm-hmm. when we're ordained and when we become Christians to be faithful disciples. I pray, Lord, that you would gather groups of people around each other to support each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other. Mm-hmm. But most especially, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would pour out your blessing upon each and every one who in their loneliness 
may turn and find that you are there with them, in them, encouraging them, strengthening them, and showing them the purpose for which you laid hold of them, so that they might be focused on that and that alone. And I ask these things in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. George Rogers, thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight listening to your story and hearing of all the Lord's done in, with, and through you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.